the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Hello and welcome on this lovely Thursday, Wednesday. This is Car Kids, for Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I'm 12 years old. Coming up on Car Kids today, I'll be talking to Natalie Detoy, former Olympian, Olympian medalist and board member of SASCOC, as well as the manager team academic Leon Flasser. I also have a special guest, Demi Cohen, and she is 8 years old. I will have the Car Kids riddle to challenge your thinking. Here are the details. If you have any questions for my guests, or if you want to answer the riddle, if you want to say hi or anything really, the SMS number is 34519 and charged at 1 Rand 50. You can also send me a WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. That's 061-895-1019. Please sign your name so I can give you a free shout out on air. You can also call us on 010-140-3020. Get ready for a very exciting show today on Car Kids. That's right after this. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. That song was A Friend Like Me from Aladdin. This is the Car Kids, for Kids and Bar Kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I am 12 years old. And here on Car Kids, we love learning about our world from the top experts. But as a kid, I also want to interview other kids. Have you done something special? Have you achieved in sport, the arts? Do you have an interesting hobby or talent? We would just love to meet you, and it's just so easy too. Just email kids at kaifm.com. Car kids, for kids, bar kids. And now it is time for the riddle. Can we have a drum roll from everyone, please? Three, two, one. The riddle is... What gets wetter the longer it is left out in the sun? If you know the answer, then SMS me on 34519 or WhatsApp 061-895-1019 with your name and the answer, and you could win a beautiful creature book if you're the first one to get the right answer. But remember, you have to give others a chance to win on Kids. So if you have won in the last 90 days, you can still enter for the riddle, but you won't be able to win the book. Today, I have Lantley Detoy and Leon Flasser in studio with me. If you have any questions for them, you can send them in on an SMS on 34519 or WhatsApp 061-895-1019 or even call 010-140-3020. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's start with uh, Leon. Okay. Good afternoon. How are you? Good on you. Good, thank you. So, um, I understand you're at the board of SASCOC. No, that's Natalie. Oh, okay. So, what do you do there? I'm, uh, I work for SASCOC. I'm the manager of team preparation and academy systems. Okay. So, I help prepare the athletes and teams to go to the Olympic and Paralympic and Commonwealth Games. Right. And then, what does SASCOC stand for, firstly? South African Sports Confederation and Olympic Committee. And do you know when, when it was established? It was established 2004 but came into operation 1 July 2005. So what, what are the other jobs there? Like what does it do in general? Okay, so SASCOC is the non-government body running sport in the country, especially high-performance sport, with the main task of delivering Team South Africa to all the multi-coded games. Okay, and can any individual be a member of SASCOC or is it only made up of sport, sporting government, governing bodies? Only made up of sport governing bodies and provincial sports bodies. And are all sporting bodies members of SASCOC or only those that are considered Olympic sports? All sporting bodies. 
Right, and how does the committee-slash-management of SASCOC get elected? Okay, the management are employed, so there's different positions at SASCOC. So those people will have to apply for the jobs, and if they meet the criteria of the jobs, they get employed. The board of SASCOC is uh, voted in on a four-year basis. So the last board was voted in November 2016, and they will be in uh, power or in charge of SASCOC until 2018, where new elections will be held. Right, so it, uh, until 2018, it's going to stay the same. Yeah. But then, um, who from SASCOC would go overseas to the other countries where the Olympics actually take place? Uh, it's a mixture. So we have a team delivery mechanism. So uh, you'll put together a project team that will work with the te- with the prospective Olympic or Paralympic team, whichever one's going overseas. And that team will then travel with the, the athletes to the Games, and they would make sure that everything is looked after for the athletes that they don't have to worry about packing their bag to leave and getting their clothes, doing their flights, doing their visas, doing their accreditation. That's all done by these workers. And they also, at the Games, uh, give administrative support to the team coaches and team managers that look after the athletes. Right. Um, so then do people on the committee have to have taken part in the Olympics? No. Okay. And how many sports does it cover, roughly? We have Seventy-six sport federations and nine provincial confederations. So we have eighty-five members that we look after. Eighty-five members—that's a lot. That is a lot. Who's the president? Gideon Sam. Okay, and where does it get its funds from? <laughs> that's the problem. It's never enough funds, but we are funded via the national lottery, via government, Sport and Recreation South Africa, and then. Uh, Corporate sponsorship as well. So you said there that it's a non-government um, organization. So are there so there non-government representatives at SASCOC or are there any? No What's government. Go, no no None government. whatsoever. Not allowed to be in terms of the Olympic Charter. No government interference in the Olympic Committee. Okay. And can, can SASCOC tell individual sport bodies what they have to do all the time in respect of the Olympics? No. They can... Uh, they can give them guidance. However, no no athlete or sport can go to an Olympic Games without SASCOC entering them. Oh, okay. So SASCOC has to nominate them to go to the Olympics. Yeah. So and maybe maybe I can come in here a little bit. And and remember, sport is governed by a, a complete international body called the uh, the IOC, onto the International Olympic Committee, and everyone sits underneath that. So we are all governed by the International Olympic Committee. Oh, okay. So they govern the, the the other countries as well. Absolutely. Okay. And do other countries have? Does every country have a similar organisation? Uh, we're a bit different to the other countries. There's about five countries that are similar to us, where we have a confederation and an Olympic committee and Paralympic committee as one body. So a lot of the other countries, it's all separate bodies. Olympic Committee, their Paralympic Committee, their Commonwealth Games Committee is all separate. But uh, I know us, United States, Norway, Holland, or Netherlands now, and there's one other that are that are the same as us where we all combined. And it just makes it logistically easier to deal with all the sports and to deal with all the athletes. So um, say South Africa got to host the next Olympics, would SASCOC be um, the organize all of that? No. So who would then? So what would happen is cities bid 
to host the games. SASCOG would organize the city bids to, to win locally, which city would host. They would help that city then do their bid to the IOC. But once that bid is won, SASCOG then pulls out because we can't be the referee and player at the same time because we deliver the team. So then what's a local organizing committee is then formed between the city and the government and uh, with the IOC, and they would put the games together. So um, so when the Olympics are held overseas, does SASCOC and others all plan it together, or is it just the one that it's in the country that it's in? Does, am I making sense? Yes, it's just the country. So it's called, it's called the Organizing Committee of the Games. Okay. So the Organizing Committee of the Games is relevant to where the games are being held. So, for example, Rio, it was the Rio Organizing Committee of the Olympic and Paralympic Games. So they are the ones that did it, obviously in conjunction with the International Olympic Committee and International Paralympic Committee. There are certain things that they got to oversee to make sure everything's done right, together with the international sports federations, because obviously each sport has their own particular needs. So you've got to make sure, for example, athletics, you've got a correct athletics track. It's the right size. It's the right surface using the right implements. The swimming pool's a 50-meter swimming pool. It's got the right depth. So all those technical issues are handled by the International Sports Federations. All right. Um, how many games are there current or sports are there currently in the Olympics? Do you know? Or? 26 Olympic uh, that we participate in, that we have as members. There are some new sports that's just been added. One is skateboarding, and we're still waiting for them to formalize in South Africa. And we have three winter Olympic sports as well, which is uh, skating, skiing, and ice hockey. Okay. Um, sorry. Just equestrian is my favorite sport. So uh, would you happen to know how many we have in South Africa that compete in the Olympics? Uh, so for the Rio Games, we had... One Paralympic athlete in equestrian, which was Philippa Johnson, a previous double gold medalist from 2008. Olympics, I think we had one in eventing. Uh, previous Olympics in London 2012, we had one uh, equestrian in dressage. Okay. But the three disciplines is eventing, dressage, and show jumping yeah. that you can qualify for. Okay. And um, let's start asking. Do you mind if we ask you a few questions about your swimming career? Yes, sure. Okay. Uh, so when did you start swimming? I started when I was six years old. Um, I was one of those swimmers or one of those little kids that didn't like the water at all. And uh, one day I just decided that I wanted to swim. And that's how I got into swimming. Okay. And when was it that you first swam in the Olympics? I first qualified for a Paralympics in 2004. Um, in 2008, I then had my first Olympic um, participation. Okay, so uh, did you, when you first swam in the Olympics, was it before or after your accident happened? So when I had two legs, um, I just missed out on the Olympics by 0 0.03 of a second, which is, if you had to try and do that on a stopwatch, it's quite challenging. Um, and then the very next year, I had a motorbike accident. So 2004 um, was three years after I'd actually had my accident. And that was the first time I, I had the opportunity um, and qualified for the Paralympics. So um, how did this change? Like after you had your accident, did, did you like found it harder or how did it change your swimming? Did you feel like giving up or how did you feel after that happened about swimming? 
I was a very lucky person um, and and little girl in terms of everyone that I had around me supported me um, tremendously. And I had a coach who believed that I was going to make it no matter what. And he was going to be there, my family. Um, and, you know, I also had another lady who actually helped in terms of finding out what it is I needed to do um, and find out, you know, we talk about the IPC, which is the International Paralympic Committee. They have certain rules and regulations as well. One of them is that they actually have people come out and see what type of disability you have. Um, they give you a classification and from there they put you into a class and that's the class that you'll compete in. So, so from that perspective, you know, I had a lot of support in that manner and it was a lot easier for me because my job was to swim and very fortunate again to not have anybody say to me, it's not possible. So it was, let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can change things. Um, I no longer swam the same events. I started becoming a freestyler instead of a butterfly and individual medley swimmer. But in terms of that, um, you know, it was it was just par for the course. And we just carried on. And we just went from, um, you know, one goal to the next goal to the next goal. And it ended up being at the Paralympics and at the Olympic Games. Wow. So um, can I come in there quickly? Yeah, so sure, I, sure. I worked for the Paralympic Committee where Natalie had her accident. So um, it was quite refreshing for us to see her being positive, wanting to swim in the Paralympic events. And it, she became an absolute hero for us. She went to 2004 Paralympics and just smashed every world record that was standing. So it was a, a really refreshing and really nice to have someone so positive there. So when you say refreshing, are there generally people who are not so positive or after they have accidents like that are just... We can probably both answer here because we, we help a lot and, and we do a lot of talks. But yes, it, it, it probably would be the initial the initial reaction is, is, is sometimes a lot of... could be depression, anger, whatever. But people do get through that and, and, and sport is the way that I found for me when I had my accident was, was, was the leveler. Once I got involved in sport, that's when... My life opened up and I saw the world. Okay. Um, so going back to Natalie, um, after you had your accident, did you have to like train hard at all or was it just pretty much the same? I think, you know, trying to to get back to where I was, it was definitely training harder. It was training more. It was, uh, I think, giving more of, of myself as well. And I think giving more of the people around me um, that they gave more as well. It's a very different life. Um, being disabled um, you know it's very different waking up every day and seeing that you're disabled um, and trying to to you know think back and think who am I who was I and something that was important for me was always to be the same person that I wasn't going to change for it so I actually went back to school straight away I fell asleep in class from all the the morphine that I had when I was in hospital and I used to end up with other classes with me, but it was important for me to carry on with that. And very, again, I always say very fortunate to have people who, who believed in me and who showed me those ropes. And I think I always believe in starting from the beginning and starting the right way. It's difficult to wake up and, and, you know, have to put a prosthetic on. And at the end of the day, I, I can't run like everybody else. I would need a different leg um, to run with. I need a different leg to cycle with. So there's a lot of challenges that come with it. And I think to face those challenges head on is sometimes more important um, and better. Difficult for people around you because they don't face it head on every day. They just they don't quite understand what it is. So they, they're not 
it's not easy to um, to get through it um, as as easy as it was for me, and it takes them a bit longer. But um, you know, just some statistics. You know, in Johannesburg, we have just over two million people living in in Gauteng, and disabled people. There's just over four million within South Africa. Okay, and um, what words of motivation would you give to anyone who's recently or um, has been in a similar situation to you and is trying to deal with it and, you know, adapt? Some advice would be to meet other disabled people, um, ask them, question them. Um, You know, you might have, say, for instance, for me, I have a prosthetist who makes my legs. It's to speak to other people. Maybe their prosthetists can give them some advice on on better, not better ways, but on how they can um, change a few things if they're struggling. Um, Actually meet some disabled people and for themselves realize where they fit. And, you know, I had 99% of the people that I spoke to wish that they didn't have the accident. Um, There's one gentleman I remember who was just missing half his foot. um, And I thought it very strange, but... You know, because I was missing half my leg. It's, you know, definitely not the same thing. But years down the line, I realized that we have the same complications. We go through the same challenges. And that one person actually inspired me because he went on to run marathons um, and inspired me to get back in as well. So definitely, you know, find people, speak to them, see what's out there, because not always the best technology is the best, you know, for everyone. So find yourself and find where you fit and who you want to be um, and where you want to be because, you you know, nothing can stop you. Nothing will change who you are. Right. That's very inspirational, I must say. Um, so how many Olympic, uh, Olympics have, Paralympics have you swam in? So fortunately, I was able to take part in three um, Paralympics and one Olympics throughout my career. Um, and I think, you know, it was time for me to, to bow out of the sport. Um, I started quite late because I only had my accident quite late compared to other disabled athletes. And again, you know, you will compete against those athletes that have been disabled their whole life. And you'll compete against those that have just recently been disabled. And, you know, there's always the, the conversation as, you know, how different is it for both of them? But it's it was something that I was fortunate for for 12 years. There's an Olympics and Paralympics every four years. So every four years for, for three consecutive Paralympics. Right. Um, can we have a song break? Absolutely. Sure. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. That song was It's Possible from Susical. My name is Jacob Gordon and this is the High Kids Show. We were in the middle of an interview with Natalie DeToy and um, Leon uh, Flyer. Uh, but since today we have got quite a few guests in studio, I think we're going to jump around and go to our other very special guest, whose name is Demi. She is eight years old, and let's start the questions. Hello, Demi. First of all, how old are you? Eight years old. Okay, and what grade are you in? Grade two. And what school? King David Victory Park Primary. Okay, and can you tell us a bit about your family? Do you have any sisters, brothers, pets, anything like that? Um, I have a sister, and I don't have any pets. And how old is your sister? She is six years old. Okay, and uh, what sports or extramurals do you do? I do chess, and I do netball. Uh, I used to do piano, um, and I used to do art. Yeah. And you stopped? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any hobbies or other interests? 
Um, I love to sing and I'm very interested in drama and acting. Oh, that's really cool. I've done some acting before. Uh, can you... Can you share something about yourself that our listeners may find interesting to know? Any interesting fact that you um, I was once in a play, Cinderella, at the People's Theatre. Oh, that's really cool. And if you had three witches, what would they be? I'd like to fly. Um, and I'd win America's Got Talent. And be able to talk to animals. Oh, that's some cool wishes. Thank you for joining us on Car Kids today, uh, Demi. It was really awesome having you with us in studio. Thank you. Okay, thank you for coming. And shall we get back to our other interview? Okay. Um, so, I just wanted to know, um, Leon, if there are there any like quadriplegics who compete in the Olympics at all? Like uh, anywhere in the world, doesn't necessarily have to be here, but. Yes, no, definitely. So, as Natalie was talking about with swimming, you get classification. All the sports within the Paralympic movement have classification. So, people with the same abilities can compete against each other. It levels the playing field. So, in quite a few of the sports, quadriplegics do participate. Um, the one sport I know, because um, I, I was uh, instrumental in getting it going in South Africa, is called wheelchair rugby. And wheelchair rugby is a team sport played by quadriplegics. Really cool sport. Um, people Google it. It used to be called murder ball. And uh, when you Google it and watch it, you'll see why it was called murder ball before. Okay. And I just want to uh, remind our listeners that if you have any questions for Natalie or Leon, you can send them in on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 061. Eight nine five one zero one nine. Sorry, that's our number. If you want to call in, and that is zero one zero one four zero three zero two zero. So, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. And let's move on. Uh, how many medals have you won, Natalie? Sure, that's uh, a lot of people like to ask you that question. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really count them. Um, but three Paralympics and probably I think around eleven. Or more. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think it's 11 or 13, somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, you know, I think in terms of medals, it's not really the medals that count so much. It's more, I think, the journey that goes up to those medals. Um, you always remember those, those, you know, those challenging moments where things happen and you get through them um, and you're able to get this medal at the end of the day. So it's more just like a picture on the wall um, rather than, you know, a specific medal. Okay, and um, do you think that winning a medal at the Paralympics gets one some the same respect and admiration as the general public for winning at the regular Olympics? You know, there's lots of debate about this, and I think uh, you know a lot of people say that there isn't. Um, in South Africa, we were actually very fortunate in that the the disabled and Paralympics had uh, more sponsors than the able-bodied did. Um, and although there were a lot more people winning medals, so you know it was shared um, more. But in terms of that, I think you know with Paralympic sport, it's different um, around the uh, around the world. Um, in South Africa, we were very fortunate, and you know it's. Being competing at the able-bodied Olympics or the, or the Paralympics for me was equal. It was about getting up on that block and knowing that you've done the work and diving in and touching the wall on the other side, knowing that you've given everything. 
um, everything that you had. You know, it's the biggest sporting event um, in terms of the highest um, qualification, if I can call it that. So to to come out of there and, and win a medal was special. Okay, and how do you feel that you're like a mentor and a role model for people never to give up and just to keep on going no matter what happens? You know, for me, it's just to live my life and to be the best that I can be. Um, you know, Leon, um, you spoke earlier about me joining the Paralympic movement. Um, and I think for me, it was coming into an arena which I didn't know at all. It was I competed against people that I'd never met before, that I'd never seen them swim before. Um, it was, you know, it's it's something that I also had to learn and I had to learn as I went with it. And I think that's the that's the secret, is to be able to learn as you go along. Is to be able to look up to people, not for the whole person that they are, but the one thing that's special, um, or the two things that's special. And to have different mentors, to have different um, people that you look up to in, in different sort of sectors. So very touching that, uh, that people do look up to me. But, um, you know, for us, it's to make that difference and to keep making a difference. Right. Um have you ever broken any records? <laughs> I think I've broken a few. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily about breaking records. And, uh, you know, it was after a while, I actually retired purely because I had achieved everything um, that there was to achieve. You know, um, I had some every event possible. I had um, summit at the highest level for 12 years. And it was time to find something again that would grip me and something that would motivate me um, to be a better me. So so definitely broken those records. And then what, what was it that you found? In terms of me as a person or in terms of what would you mean? Well, you said that you it was time to move on and try to find something else ah. that got you motivated and things. So what what is that thing that you found? So at the moment, I think for me to, you know, we're here on behalf of Saskatchewan is to, to give back to sport and to give back to making that difference. Um, there is a lot of negative talk out in, in um, you know, in and amongst South Africans and, and the rest of the world. Um, there's a lot of challenges that, that our organization has had. Um, however, we're here to, to make that change. Um, it might take a bit longer than we expect, but it's to keep that positive message going and, and I think there's a, a nice movement in terms of athletes actually doing for athletes um, and, and ha taking that power um, as well and actually coming in and helping the federation rather than, um, I think, complaining. So from that perspective, um, it's for me to come and, and, and make that difference. And hopefully other athletes won't have what we had um, and, and keeping with the times. And what, what was your best moment in your whole career that you've done? My best moment would be qualifying for the Olympic Games. Um, and the only reason why Olympics and not Paralympics is because it took me 12 years to try and get there. Having an accident, um, missing a race, uh, going through many challenges, changing strokes, um, that, um, that to me was, was sort of the peak of, of my career. Um, I was also very fortunate to be able to swim my old events in the Paralympics so I could swim the butterfly and the backstroke and the breaststroke and the freestyle. And I think being able to swim that actually allowed me to carry on and be who I was and, and not to have to change me. All right. Uh, I think that's the most important thing because I, I, that's all I really want is to be me. 
And I think that's what a lot of people want and need in life. Absolutely. And you would be, you know, whoever you look up to, whoever you inspire to be, um, you know, what you want to achieve. Um, remember to always learn something new every day. Okay. Um, Leon, so let's talk more about your job. What did you say that it was? I'm the manager of the team preparation and academy systems. Okay, so what does this job entail? In the main, um, we have a program called Operation Excellence. Natalie used to be part of it when she was an athlete. So that's when we sit with our top Olympic and Paralympic athletes and we plan their their year um, ahead leading up to the Olympic and Paralympic Games and we cover their expenses for, for the events and for their monthly uh, costs, things like that. So they all they have to worry about is training and competing. So how many years in advance do you have to start preparing for this? Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> An Olympic and Paralympic medal normally takes eight years of what's called the 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours of training to get a medal. Wow. So you, do, you do get freaks. But (laughs) (laughs) so Leanne's part of the team. I think that, uh, you know, they see the youngsters coming up and uh, they keep them on their radar. And when they achieve what they need to achieve to be part of of the Olympic program, um, you know, that's when they come into into the OPEX program. um, And that's when they sort of looked after. So they would then come to Leonie's team and say, I want to travel here and I want to do this and I want to get this experience. And they look and see if it's viable, if there's costing, um, et cetera. Um, and, and really from that point, it's, it's the support, um, for the athletes, which is not their immediate support, but it's that extra support. Right. Um, and in your opinion, what is your favorite or in your opinion, what is your favorite sport? My favorite sport. I'll be very selfish. It'll be the sport that I play, which is wheelchair basketball. So I also started off as an athlete and I attended the Sydney Paralympic Games as a wheelchair basketball athlete. So that's just a selfish one, but I love all sport. I, uh, if anything ever gets me divorced in my life, it'll be sport because at home I watch sport, I work sport, I travel because of sport. So I think my wife, when she has sport, really, I think has had enough of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just want to ask you something. Um, I had an argument with a friend the other day, and I, I always, I always find this quite annoying that a lot of people say this to me. Um, they tell me that equestrian isn't a proper sport, and that the horse does all your work for you. What is your opinion on this? Absolutely not. Um, if 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 the horse did all the work, the horse would get the medal. It's the athlete that has to work with the horse, and uh, it's quite interesting because um, I remember when we were debating team selection for equestrian the one time. The, the one guy, I can't remember his name, always spoke about the horse and the rider combination. The horse is nothing without the rider on the horse, giving the horse the instructions that they're trained to do. Okay, uh, so thanks for I that. Think I, can, I think I can add a little to that. In yeah. doping, we actually test the horse and the rider um, because either one of them can be tested and, and can take something that can actually give them um, an advantage. So definitely both of them are, are separate. Okay, and um, so can we have a song again? You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. That song was On My Way from Brother Bear. This is High Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Jacob Gordon and I'm 12 years old. 
Our riddle today was, what gets wetter the longest is left out in the sun? And lots of answers have come through um, for the riddle. Thank you for playing. The answer is ice. The first correct answer was from Yossi Roger. Big well done to you, Rossi, and you've won a book from Beautiful Creatures. Mandy will call you after the show today. Um, listen up. If you have are between the ages of 9 and 11 years old, if you're well-spoken, confident, curious about the world you live in, if you have one afternoon free a week, we would love to meet you. Chai FM wants to meet and train Chai kids for radio. If you want to meet us, send an email to kids at chaifem.com. Chai kids, four kids, five kids. It has been a packed show on Car Kids today. I just want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you to Natalie, Leon, to Demi, to uh, DJ Flo for pressing the red buttons, for Mandy for being a really good producer. Thank you, everyone, and ha- goodbye.